0: So we're talking about daily practices. We did the yoga base uh, session at the studio last night, which was loads of fun. We had a good little knees up over there. Who was that that you guys were, right? Yeah. Sarah was. Kate. Yeah, so we do a bunch of those things around the place. And um, we get a lot of people coming who are interested in a spiritual practice of sorts or, or leading a spiritual life, you could say, interested in the... the, the Um, ideals and values associated with living a spiritual life maybe uh, don't have anything regular going on in their lives and we talk a lot about these peak experiences that we have with music and in particular on the dance floor with music we're talking about these these, um, experiences of oneness with everyone and everything around us, this beautiful presentistic sense that we have forgetting about the past, forgetting about the future, these peak experiences that lead us to the idea, viscerally, that we could live life differently, that there's another experience to life that we could be having. And those peak experiences of music are important, but they arise in many different um, areas of life. And one of the things we're gonna be sort of concerning ourselves with here is how to bring those peak experiences that we have in these different parts of our lives into our daily life, and how could we support our life and our practice so that those experiences start happening when we're not on the dance floor, or we're not in these other places where these experiences happen. You know, for me, most regularly it comes through music. And, you know, these days I wish I could get on the dance floor more often, most of the time I'm on the other side of the decks kind of thing, but, um, but definitely dancing, just, you know, that, those hours of dance that bring you to that, that beautiful state.
1: I find like the the things like Wanderlust Festival for me are a bit of a like you get this big hit of being in a place with all these like-minded people and all the energy and the sweat and the prana flying around um, and it, it sort of feels different in a way the feeling of coming together in those big yoga classes at a festival and I notice that people have those things of like not wanting to go home at the end, like we sat with a whole table of people who were like, I don't want the festival to end at the end of Wanderlust last year, and like, you know, almost like clinging a little bit to like that, <laughs> that feeling is... that happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, a, the, that's exactly the, the um, part of what we're talking about, the idea of how to take it out of that, that experience, um, that peak experience, and into the rest of our lives. So what about you Dharma heads? You know, what's it like when your heart teacher comes to town? Yeah. Right? That's a peak experience, isn't it? You know, when you're in that pranic surround of your heart teacher, and they turn up and they're teaching, you know, three times, four times over the course of a week, when you barely get to see them. If you're a student of someone like Lama Maru, who's just all around the world the whole time, being in that kind of aura as well is a peak experience too. But then our challenge is how mm-hmm. to how to take that peak experience, that 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 um, that view that these peak experiences give us, right? This idea that we could have a more connected reality, a less conflicted reality, a more yogified reality, right? This union of us and everyone around us, a more presentistic way of living. You know, part of these visceral experiences is this idea of just being in the present perfectly without worrying about the past or future. It's a beautiful state to be in a mountain biking, right? When you're screaming down one of those hills on a mountain bike, you want to be in the present, right? You don't want to be thinking about anything else. Um, And the music experience does the same thing. The common thread here, what's the common thread between all these experiences that we're talking about?
1: Present
0: moment. They're in the present moment. No storyline. No storyline.
1: They're not every moment. Like, they're connected to a specific activity, like that maybe you start to connect them with, I have this feeling when I do this thing.
0: Yeah. You could say another common thread to them is that They're all relying on something else, outside of ourselves, to be able to reach this state. So one of the things we want to talk about is how to engender that state from within. So we're not relying on these outer circumstances. We all come into this world with certain causes, you could say, in place, right? Certain types of bodies, certain types of minds. Mm, We lean towards certain types of activities. We have different ways of getting joy, you know, out of those activities. And even the fact of whether we can or can't get joy out of certain activities, right? but it's how we train our mind that will allow us to transcend those and to recreate these peak experiences in all areas of our lives. Mm. So with the Dharma world, you know you know that thing of like it being around your teacher with a beautiful sangha all the time and you get this kind of prana high from it, which is very sweet, but sometimes and I know I did for a long time was running around going, I just got to get more Dharma, I got to get more teachings, I got to be in front of my teacher more often, that's what, and for a while it is what makes it work actually, you know, it is inspiring and it does really help, but it's all based on this foundation of the daily practices. As a producer of music it's the same thing, right, peak experiences, when I make a tune that people really connect to on the dance, floor, and they're just going off and they're having that experience. That's a peak experience for me, but I've learned the hard way that's based on endless hours of reading manuals and going over the same drum loop for hours and hours and hours at a time until that tune sounds just right and it's going to hit the sound system in just that way and the bass is just going to Womp on that system just the right way. And that's the daily practice in the studio every day. And sometimes it's not that much fun, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, people see you as a DJ and producer pretty much just when you're on the decks. And it's that hour and a half. That people imagine, wow, the rest of their life must be kind of like that as well, you know? yeah. It ain't. There's nothing <laughs> like that, actually. <laughs> you know, and as a meditator, it's the same thing. First time I ever meditated, um, I went to... Uh, a teacher from an Indian yoga lineage in London, and he gave us the basic lowdown on it. So I go home and I sit down, and I don't know what happened. I thought it was three minutes. I sort of jolt out of it, it's 45 minutes later, and this upwelling of pure bliss comes out. I was just rolling on the ground, laughing in joy, you know, for five or 10 minutes, and I'm like, meditation is awesome. (laughs) I'm gonna do this again. (laughs) Next morning I get up. Nothing, 15 minutes nothing half an hour, nothing for forty, and, and it, it didn't work. Next day, same thing. But gradually over time, through practicing, right, some of those things that came through, I don't know those cause and conditions, whatever they were, beginner's luck, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> right? Gradually, you know, that karmic that, that momentum, you could say, that came out and that bliss, flowered and that blissful experience, I've learned to start training aspects of that, and it's not like that every time I sit down and, you know, maybe it won't be for a long time. <laughs> but there are aspects of that groundedness, of that balanced aspect, that, that connectedness, that does come out now after practicing every day, you know, week after week, month after month, and we talked a little about that last night in the yoga based presentation. Mm. So, peak experience versus daily practice, keep that in mind and we'll work with that idea as we move through.
1: Um, I was uh, teaching at a retreat with a, a great teacher who's come here before, Mira Kingsley, um, a couple of weekends ago, and she introduced this idea of being loaned prana when you go to a live teaching, or when you go to a live concert, or when you read an amazing, like a spiritual memoir, like Autobiography of a Yogi or something. So you guys are familiar with the idea of prana, this like energy, this energizing force and generally it's something that's sort of you know generated inside your own body but when you sit in front of somebody who is just pouring their heart out in song you know or who is you know just teaching this intense wisdom like Lama Marut you get Like you borrow it and you feel like, yeah, yeah, I get that, I get that, all right, you know? And we see that even with the the yoga base workshops that we do. There's so much prana flying back and forth. We're all so hyped up, you know, it takes us forever to get out of the room and just go get some food because, you know, there's this incredible prana exchange. But then what happens, you know, the next morning and the morning after and the morning after when it's just you and yourself and your practice Are you able to make that experience really stick for yourself by by generating it with your own prana and having those same realizations that you maybe had like, yeah, I want to do this, or yeah, that sounds so true, or, you know, oh, my heart feels so open. Can you start to generate those inside yourself using only your own prana and then obviously go and get inspired, you know, like I was reading Krishna Das's autobiography, Chance of a Lifetime, every morning a little bit before I meditated. And it, it was like better than a cup of coffee because I would read about his amazing life and his dedication to practice. I'd be like, I'm gonna go and meditate now. And that's nice because it's you know, it was still then I would go and sit down and meditate, you know. Um, but I think that uh, I've I've been coming back to this idea a lot about like self self-generation. You know, what what does that mean about realizations and about experience and about um, wisdom and practice and happiness? Can it be self-generated instead of sort of acquired from external circumstances or from other people? Um, And uh, also there's this sense in the Tibetan texts of um, like almost like dharma immunity. Like, the more you're exposed to something from the outside and not generating it from yourself, you start. it starts to just be like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, instead of, yeah, yeah. Like, the the yeahs start to kind of descend in scope every time you hear it. <laughs> and eventually, it becomes like old hat. Like, well, I don't need to go to that teaching. I've already gone to a class on daily practices a million times. You know? But when you are actually um, taking the information and then creating it as a a revelation kind of inside yourself based on your own experience and not something that someone else told you, then it sticks and it can go really deep. Um, So again, this difference between peak and practice. In terms of our festival community and our music community, and and also with the Dharma community, you know, there's this sense of these big get-togethers as being like a ceremony, like a ritual, like an initiation and actually in the music festival community we actually create all these ceremonies opening ceremonies, closing ceremonies, full moon ceremonies and they're beautiful but traditionally the idea of a ritual or like a rite of passage is that afterwards you're different and then you keep living your life as a different person you're not just different for that moment where you're riding on the energy of the ritual. And then you're like, okay, now back to my everyday life. And three months from now, I have a ticket to another festival. And then we can have another ritual and I'll have that, you know. like So to think about using these experiences as gateways to real ongoing transformation and growth rather than just for the feeling that they create at that particular moment.
0: We see so many at the, at the festival these beautiful altars, don't we, that people set up. I mean, it's the, these kind of West Coast festivals anyway, just beautiful, ornate altars, sometimes 15, 20 feet across with all sorts of wonderful things out of temples from around the world. And you know, we all have that desire to reach these places and, and, and it represents that desire to reach these states mm-hmm. and what's going on at the festival, these experiences that the people are having. But yeah. we have to take it further than that
1: and then when you are self-creating then you can go into these spaces and really give to the community so there can become this consumer kind of aspect I think with some of those festivals especially when you feel like you know, well, it's not Burning Man, it's a commercial festival, and I've plunked down my ticket price. Or it's not a buy donation Dharma teaching retreat. It's wanderlust, and I paid my money, and I'm going to get my money's worth and my experience, and there becomes this sort of one-way. Whereas um, some of these... Um, the ways that things are created in communities, and one of the reasons that I love the by-donation aspect of a lot of things in our lineage is it really challenges people to say, well, what are you bringing? Are you bringing money? Are you bringing time? Are you bringing teachings? Are you vacuuming the floor afterwards? What, What are you sharing of your own practice? And one of the things that's so beautiful about the Burning Man ethos is that everybody is a contributor and a participant. So it's not about not going to those experiences or not interacting with those communities or those teachers or things, but it's, it's creating something as well inside that then when you go, you know you're really able to to share and have it be like this, you know, there's so that there's no entropy, right?